Hey, hey, guys. Welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk live here on YouTube. A lot to talk about today. We are going to talk about John Gruden. We talked about that earlier in the week. John Gruden being fired, shit canned, whatever you want to say, and being outed, honestly, uh, as a dirtbag. He was fired as the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders head coach earlier this week. We'll discuss that. We'll also discuss Kyrie Irving and the whole saga about him that's going on in the NBA with the Brooklyn Nets and why he actually has a point in one way. We'll talk about that. We'll also discuss Ben Simmons returning to the 76ers, or kind of returning to the 76ers. NFL news, Geno Smith starting, all that jazz coming up here on Real Take Sports Talk number 59. 59 Real Take Sports Talks. The Big 60 is next time, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Before that, though, be sure to hit that like button. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give us a follow and a five-star review as well. So, as I said, we, we do have a lot to talk about today, and John Gruden is our first topic. So, John Gruden was fired outed, shit-canned, whatever you want to put it as, he's gone as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. I I always make that mistake. It's always the uh, Oakland-Las Vegas Raiders. I make the same thing with uh, San Diego Chargers or whatever. The Chargers, however, they're always going to be San Diego. If they win a chip, maybe I'll give them some leeway, but uh, they are definitely, for sure, the... uh, the still the San Diego Chargers, even though the city of San Diego probably doesn't want them. <laughs> anyway, I got off topic so quickly there, which is amazing, an amazing way to start the show. Anyway, so let's talk about John Gruden because he was the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, but he got grinded. Gruden got grinded and he got shit canned as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after emails leaked of him being a dirtbag. As I said, he was fired Monday after racist, homophobic, misogynistic emails were leaked. Um, This email leak was part of an investigation going on into the Washington football team. We know the Washington Post article that was written uh, about them, the Washington Post investigation that was written about them rather earlier last year that really threw a lot of wrenches into their PR and then you know, uh, Dan Snyder has been looking for reasons to really, really dodge the, these kinds of bad PR hits. And one could think that this taking the limelight away from the Washington football team investigation and to someone like John Gruden would be a way of doing that. But we'll talk about that in just a second. Anyway, so. John Gruden is fired. We already covered that earlier this week. I don't want to tread uh, old waters, but let me tell you why John Gruden isn't the real. So here's the thing. There are a lot of things that are coming out of this. John Gruden in, in this whole email leak scandal in this whole investigation that's going on with the Washington football team in the NFL. He honestly could just be the tip of this iceberg because we only saw a, f- a handful of emails of the 650,000, yes, 650,000 emails that are currently being looked at and investigated uh, that are correspondence between members of the Washington football team executives and members of the press, members of other coaching staff and, and what have you. So there's a lot of emails to shift through. But these emails to come out in the, at the time they did and in the manner that they did were almost undoubtedly in order to take John Gruden out, as some people would want to say. And look, I agree with that. I think that this was a targeted uh, this was a targeted leak. And that's not making John Gruden a victim. Let me be clear. John Gruden is not a victim in this at all. John Gruden was held accountable for his actions and should be moving forward. But one thing that we can say is that this was targeted at him specifically. So those two things can exist at one time. Now, moving forward from that, why was he targeted? I think that's the, one of the questions. And th- that qu- question goes hand in hand with the question of who leaked this and why did it come out and for what reason? So what we know is that the NFL 
is shifting through all these emails, 650,000, as I mentioned, and they are looking for workplace conduct violations from the Washington football team to establish what the culture was like, what was going on, why there's certain things like sexual harassment and, and workplace misconduct was happening and who specifically was responsible. And you could make the argument that there would be no one in the organization higher up than executives. There would be no one who would want the spotlight taken away from them than executives of the Washington football team. That could mean Bruce Allen, the former executive Bruce Allen. That could mean Dan Snyder. We don't know. That could mean anyone who's high up top in the Washington football team hierarchy or was high up top in the Washington football team hierarchy. And I think the reason that they got out was specifically, one, to take out Gruden, two, and more importantly, to maybe shift light away from other people. Because we know how the NFL works. We know how a lot of the thinking is in locker rooms. We know how a lot of thinking is, especially on the executive level. Of the 32 head coaches, or uh, sorry, of the 32 owners, of the 32 owners in the NFL, only one is a person of color, minority, other than that, it is basically older white males that run these organizations that are owning these organizations. And the one exception, of course, is Shahid Khan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who is Pakistani. Now, you take those 31 owners who have who are rich, who have power, who are not accustomed to be told no, not accustomed to be told to think differently than they are, not incentivized to be thinking differently than they are. And you get a certain culture, you get a certain way of speaking that might not fit in with the what really is acceptable in society. And the Gruden email leak, I think, are a microcosm or a, a symbol or whatever of what we will likely see when these 650,000 emails are going to be released. Because there's a concerted effort to do it, too. Cheerleaders, former cheerleaders of the Washington football team, former cheerleaders of the NFL have come out and said that they want the emails to be released. NFLPA could be soon pushing for their release as well. I know DeMora Smith talked about this on Bumani Jones' show. Personally, I want to see it because I want to see what was said in these emails to honestly fix the culture of the NFL because what John Gruden symbolized, and again, he is not a victim, but what he symbolizes is a way of thinking that existed and to this day still exists behind closed doors, behind their these team emails and, and, and all that kind of stuff that still exists in the NFL. A, a culture of misogyny, a culture of uh, hate, ignorance, whatever you want to put it, put it in there, that's what the culture is. The culture isn't pretty damn good, like Bruce Allen said a few years ago. And it's not just the Washington football team. I think it is about time that we have a reckoning in football. We, it's about time we have a reckoning with these owners, with these executives, with the people who are at the highest level of decision-making in this game. No matter who you are, no matter what team you represent, no matter where you come or, 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 or how much money you have, you need to be held accountable for your actions. And look, let's not kid ourselves. For anyone who wants to say, oh, but how do we know that no one else said anything? You know how we'll know if no one else said anything? Release the emails. Let's look at them. And if no one else said anything, I will feel much better today than I would, uh, than I did like, you know, than I, or I would feel much better then than I do today is what I'm trying to say. So I think it's important for the NFL to release these emails, to really show the fans, show the players. The most important aspect of this are the players who are represented in the decision-making of these executives, who are represented, um, who represent the league. The players are the faces of the league, not the executives. Like, you have a Jerry Jones, you could argue he's the face of the Cowboys. Outside of that, what, re what owners have, have that much of an emphasis on the, the being the face of the team? Not many. So I want to see it. I want to see what these what is said in these emails. I think that because John Gruden's emails leaked and only his email specifically leaked, like the NFL somehow only sent uh, Mark Davis the John Gruden emails, and those were the only things that were sent out in that Washington Post leak, and it was a purposeful leak apparently. 
That makes me more suspicious about what is in these because it looks like, and I think we can deduce very easily, that these emails were put out specifically to distract from something else. And whether or not it's worse is to be seen. I think the likelihood is that these emails will make see the light of day eventually. They And fairly soon. You know, it could take a, a few months maybe. But sooner rather than later, we are going to see these emails get released. And hopefully, hopefully we hold the people accountable who were trying to make, who are trying to make this kind of go away in a way because that's what this is if anyone who knows anything about pr knows that the the way this happened the way these leaks happened were was not just to go after john gruden and hold him accountable right but it was also to distract from something that is probably a lot worse but that's just my thinking about it let me know what you guys think in the chat Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. And for, again, for anyone who wants to make John Gruden a, a victim in this, he isn't. Just because he was targeted in these emails, just because of that, or in this leaks rather, just because he was targeted in the leak does not mean that he is a victim. He was held accountable for his actions. I just want to see why specifically someone would want to go after John Gruden in the way that this is, why someone would want to specifically only leak his and nothing else. That 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 does raise suspicion. That does raise uh, confusion and questions. So I think it's, it's up to the NFL to do this now, down that they somehow coordinated the releases of the John Gruden leaks. I, I think you might as well just put it all out there if that's what you're going to do. If you really want to hold people accountable, let's see it. And maybe, um, again, this is speculation, allegedly, 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 all speculation here. But maybe there's something there that NFL owners don't want you to see. Maybe there's something there that Roger Goodell doesn't want people to see. That's always possible, and I'd, I'd have no proof of that. Look, let me be clear. That is all pure speculation. This, what I've just said, is pure speculation. But... It is possible, and we know how when people have power, money, um, influence, and and power in decision making, they make it can make you crazy, and it can make you think that you are hot shit when you are actually hot garbage. And John Gruden is the perfect epitome of that. A person who thinks he's hot shit, who somehow convinced everybody that he was hot shit, but really was. An average to sometimes below average. I'll give him average. He was an average coach at best. He was an average coach who took an above average team that was put together by the regime that came in before him and Tony Dungy. He took that team to a Super Bowl. He rode that team to a Super Bowl. And the offense on that team is not the offense on that 2002 Bucks team is not the reason they won the Super Bowl. Let's be clear. And that was the offense that John Gruden ran. All right? There's not a lot of people who are, who are touting how great, what's his name, Brad Johnson was the year they won the Super Bowl. He was fine. That defense was great. So let's be clear about that. John Gruden, other than that, what do you do in Oakland? Oh, six and two start every year, and then oh, we can't finish. That's your job as a head coach. Everything was there. So, again, Anyone who wants to say, oh, John Gruden, he, he was unfairly treated, give me a fucking break. He should have been fired purely for his performance on the field. Purely for his performance on the field, John Gruden should have been fired after last year. The only reason he wasn't is because he was buddies with Mark Davis. The only reason he wasn't is because they invested 100000 or sorry, $100 million in him. The only reason he wasn't was because... He was given stock options in the fucking team. He was tied. They were that decision was they, they were gonna ride that out unless something like this happened. So there you go. That's why this is this it's it's honestly not he's not a victim in this because he's a shitty he's honestly a shitty coach since he's been back in Oakland and he hasn't done much. Oh, they're but they have a three and two start. Great. Yeah, they start six and two every year and wind up shitting the bed. He didn't get he didn't prove me wrong. He had he had 
three years previous to prove everyone wrong, and he didn't. Okay? He's not a victim. He's a racist. He's a homophobe. He's a misogynist. And he's out. And that's and look, let me be clear about this too. I'm not one of these people who is like, you know, hoping that John Gruden goes away in a hole and 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 you know just never comes out of it. No. Let me be clear about this. I am someone who genuinely hopes. I genuinely hope from the bottom of my heart that John Gruden learned what he did wrong. I genuinely hope he becomes a better person. I genuinely hope he, in his actions, he tries to right the wrongs that he did in his beliefs beforehand. I genuinely hope that he realizes what his words meant and becomes a better person. Because that is how you create a better society. We should want people to to learn and grow and become better and well. And honestly, that should be the goal. Okay? But him being held accountable is a way for us to do that. And it's not my job to do that. It's not anyone else's job to make John Gruden do that. That is on John Gruden. So, coach, you're probably not listening. You probably will never listen. But if you do, learn. Don't just say, I don't have a racist bone in my body. That's literally the most... The worst thing you can say when someone is offended by what you said is, I am the least blank person here. Or I or I'm the least, you know, racist, homophobic person I know. Because you don't want to learn why someone thought that that was offensive. You don't want to learn why someone thought that was if he had if he had genuinely come if he was sincere in his statement, by the way, this is another thing. If John Gruden was sincere in his statement. When he came out, he wouldn't have said, I don't have a racist bone in my body. You know what he would have said? He would have said, I'm sorry for offending people. I want to learn and understand things better because obviously my words hurt people and I want to understand why. If he had said something about along the lines of that or something like that, it would have been much more sincere. And honestly, I would I probably... You know, I probably, I mean, I wouldn't, you couldn't have forgiven him. No, you, but you, but you would have hoped that he would have been better. You would have hoped that he could, he could learn and, and, you know, somehow become a better person because of that. But again, just my two, two cents. It's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And, and you look, that's the thing. That's the thing. There's, there's just, you just got to hope that people can become better because that's that's my view of it. I think you got to hope that people can become better. It's not our job to make them better. It is your own job to be to honestly do that. If so if someone but if someone asks you a question about why something is offensive or whatever, I I mean I'm one of those people. I'll answer it. I'll tell you why I think something's offensive and hope that you can learn and grow. But again, don't want to spend too much time on that, uh, even though I spent like half an hour on that. <laughs> but, hey, it is what it is. Guys, if you haven't already, please hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please hit that follow button and go over on to YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports to get daily videos and clips of the show. Anyway, let's move on and talk about the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Action Jajaja Haxon. Um, what a game he had, by the way, Lamar Jackson. So Lamar Jackson stunned everybody who was not paying attention before. Lamar Jackson went out there. They beat the Colts in, on Monday Night Football in one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen as a Ravens fan, as a football fan. This was one of the greatest comebacks ever. Lamar Jackson down by 16. The Ravens down by 16. Sorry, having uh, technical difficulties there. Sorry, we'll do that one more time, um, as, as I love to do, to take over. Uh, it should be my nickname, right? So the Baltimore Ravens down by 16 in the fourth quarter in a Monday night football game against the Indianapolis Colts, a game in which they basically did nothing on offense for three quarters. Down by 16, needed two scores and two two-point conversions. They went to their best player, and their best player is number eight on the field, number one in the heart of every single Ravens fan out there. Lamar Action Jackson put up 
I think his most impressive showing as a quarterback, player, athlete, whatever, this past Monday. 37 of 43, 442 yards through the air, 62 on the ground, and four, count it, four freaking touchdowns. He also had, by the way, he apparently broke an NFL record. I didn't know this. He broke an NFL record for 400-yard games. He had the highest completion percentage in a 400-yard game in NFL history. And this is the guy who people said coming into the 2018 draft, this is the guy that people said, oh, he's going to be great when he switches to wide receiver. He's going to be great when he switches positions. This is that guy. Anyone who said, after watching this Monday Night Football game, Anyone who said that Lamar Jackson should switch positions or Lamar Jackson is not going to be a good quarterback coming into that draft, if you said that, you should be nowhere around the sport of football because you got it. They These draft experts, these draft gurus, these draft analysts, these scouts got it so wrong, so wrong, indefensibly wrong. And this is not just, you know, oh, Tom Brady's, they gave him a sixth round grade, right? Because Tom Brady got better as he went along. They said Lamar Jackson didn't have the tools to do it to begin with. Disgraceful, by the way, for all those experts, all those GMs, Bill Polian and the like, who said who said that about Lamar Jackson. Disgraceful. Anyway, but a game did happen. Lamar Jackson, like I said, 37 of 43, 442 yards, had that 16-point comeback in the end of the fourth quarter, and then went down the field, touched down to Hollywood Marquise Brown, and got the dub in overtime. My God, was this one hell of a game. I'm a Ravens fan, and I'm telling you, the way we were playing, I saw it, trap game written on it for three quarters. I thought we were done. I thought we were going to lose. And then number eight did what he's been doing actually all season, which honestly, it, I really put it together in this when I was watching this game. The Ravens are going to play their game for the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters. And then if it's if all else fails, they have number eight to bail them out. And that is what the Baltimore Ravens are doing since they have the uh, depleted secondary, since they have the depleted backfield, since their offensive line is... Just injury after injury on that offensive line. Uh, but we had, uh, I believe, Ben Cleveland go out in this game. It was the the team around him is a bit is a bit in flux, but Lamar Jackson is as good as gold. And my God, on on Monday he really proved that. This guy, I I I already harped on the the people who said he can't throw. Not going to do that anymore. But I'm going to make a very bold statement about Lamar Jackson. This season, in 2021, Lamar Jackson is not only the best quarterback in the AFC, he is not only the best quarterback in uh, the, the NFL, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the league right now. Lamar Jackson is the best player, period, in the league right now. No one in the NFL has more of an impact on their team than Lamar Jackson, and Monday night... Proved it the way the Ravens have been playing this entire season. Proved it. And the scary part is Lamar Jackson is 24 years old and he is getting better. Lamar Jackson has nothing else to prove to the doubters. And he has nothing else to prove to haters. He's. It's not one of those things. Of, oh, well, can he beat? Can he do it? Can he beat uh, the, the teams? Well, he's down. He's done it all year. They were down against the Chiefs. What did Lamar do? He played Lamar ball, won. He passed and won. They were down against the Colts. What did Lamar do? He played Lamar ball. And Lamar ball right now is sitting in that pocket, delivering the deep ball better than anyone else does in the NFL and doing it at an exceptional rate, doing it with incredible accuracy and doing it with whatever he has in front of him. And, hey, hey, let me tell you something. His... Lamar did exactly what he was supposed to do, what actually what I wanted him to do for a long time. First few games, they I didn't really see them going to Mark Andrews a lot. What did he do when he needed a big play? We saw it. He went to Mark Andrews. Who, Mark Andrews is far and away, no doubt about it, the best, the second best player on that offense and the best skill player that Lamar Jackson has to throw the football to. Undoubtedly. Like Mark Andrews is probably top two, three tight end in the entire NFL. 
He is he's money and he balled out. When he balls out, Lamar always balls out. I love the chemistry of these two. You can see it. They thrive off of each other. They love playing together. And look, they're going to be playing together in Baltimore for a long time to come because Andrews just signed a contract. And after this game, it's it's no doubt Lamar going to get that two hundred million dollar contract, five hundred million dollar contract. Give him a billion dollars. I don't give a fuck. Just win, baby. Um, but yeah. So Lamar is for real, and he is a for real passer. If the season ended today, he's the MVP, and it should be without a doubt. There's a lot of players who are playing great ball. Josh Allen, no scrub at all. He should be in the conversation. Kyler Murray, no scrub at all, should be in the conversation. A lot of players should be in the conversation. Derrick Henry, too. But, man, there's nobody who has more of an impact on their team. There's nobody playing better right now than Lamar. That's why he's my midseason MVP or my quarter-season MVP. The other question, the Ravens rely so much on Lamar Jackson, and the the question coming out of this Monday night game where they came down, or they came from being down by 16 points in the fourth quarter, is that are the Ravens for real? Because we've seen a lot of games, this game, the Detroit game, um, the, the, the Raiders game, where the Ravens just didn't look like they were in sync. They didn't look like the, the Ravens like they were. And the reason for that is obviously injuries. The, the secondary is depleted. They have injuries on the defensive line. They have injuries on the offensive line. They lost Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley is nowhere to be found. Andreo Villanueva has been dealing with injuries. Ben Cleveland just went out. They, they are dealing with a lot of injuries on the on the offensive line. Rashad Bateman, who a lot of people keep saying is going to be Lamar's favorite target when he gets back. Or when he plays, because he hasn't played yet. He's a rookie, but... So, so I think injuries are part of it, but the Ravens seem to me as a team that are only going to get better as the season goes on. I think we saw that really in manifest in this Monday night game. They didn't play a play, uh, complete game, but they finished, and they finished as strong as you can, down by 16 points, getting two touchdowns, two two-point conversions. So are they for real? And it depends on what you mean by this, because for real could mean, are they a playoff team? Absolutely. 100% book it. Are they winning their division? I think so. I think the Bengals will give them a little bit of uh, trouble, but right now they are alone in that number one spot in the AFC North, but it's a tough division. I'm going to give them that. Are they they a Super Bowl contender? I'm going to go out and say that they are a Super Bowl contender, because why? They have the head coach to do it. They have the coaching to do it. They have the the talent, honestly, when they're when they get healthier, especially on the offensive line, to get better and get healthy and and really find and get in sync. And they have number eight, Lamar Jackson, the ultimate wild card in football, the best quarterback in football today, playing right now. Yes, he's playing better than Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. This Ravens team can go far, and they can win the Super Bowl. And once Ronnie Stanley comes back, once they figure out the rotation in the running in the running back room, because right now it's a bit of running back by committee, but look at the running backs they have on their roster. Tyson Williams, who's come on and played great football for them. Even um, uh, Devontae Freeman, who really came off the street, but he is he's playing pretty good when he gets, especially as receiving back. We saw that on Monday night. Um, we saw... We've seen Le'Veon Bell very sparingly in that lineup, but he's apparently coming along. So they have the room, and Latavius Murray, obviously. Once they figure out how to use that rotation uh, at the optimum level, and they will because they have John Harbaugh, once they figure that out, how are you going to stop this team? Especially considering when all else fails, you know you have to stop number eight. No, you have to stop Lamar Jackson. And there's no realistic way to do it. <laughs> the, the Colts did game plan and did exactly what they were supposed to do. And what did he do? Oh, you're not going to have me run? Great. Boom. Deep ball to Mar- Hollywood Brown. Boom. Deep ball to, uh, to Mar- uh, Mark Andrews. It's just nowhere to stop him. When, when, especially the way he's playing now. So the Ravens are for real. And that defense, don't sleep on that defense. They still have Marlon Humphrey. They are get. I think the, the young players, Anthony Everett, um, Stephon Williams, uh, uh, other players are are getting better as they go along. This is a team 
that in December, when they when some of their players get healthy and they figure it out and their coaches get these young kids coached up, you do not want to f- play this team in December because they can run the ball. Lamar, and if all else fails, Lamar will just thread that needle. And it's going to be dangerous. It's just it's just one of those things of how do you stop it and can you stop it? For a lot of teams, they can't. They really can't. Um, the big test coming up for the Ravens, however, I will say this. The biggest test coming up for them is going to be on uh, Sunday when they play the Chargers. That is going to be the biggest test for this team by far. Two of the best teams, two of the biggest teams in the entire NFL going up head-to-head with each other. I can't wait for that. And I also can't wait for you guys to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released so you can hear me talk about that. Um, Anyway, let's move on from football for just a little bit. Let's talk about the NBA because we got some NBA news, which, uh, you know, it rarely happened in the offseason. We had our little NBA uh, free agency special, but... We have some NBA news. Oh, that we'll get to in a second. We we have that NBA news. Uh, but before we get to that, we have uh, Ben Simmons news. <laughs> Give me one second. Stay thirsty, my friends. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry for anyone listening to this in podcast form. <laughs> anyway. Oh, we got something in the chat. Big ticket, big big time big ticket says in the chat, when it comes to Lamar, there is a lot of racism in NFL front offices. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, you're so right on on point with that one. And look, that kind of bleeds into our, uh, our first conversation that we had with the John Gruden uh, news and the John Gruden emails and then those Washington football emails. It, it's just the way it's been for so long and people have a problem with change and people have a problem with being open to new ideas, I think that's the core of it. I think, and you know, with and some of the sometimes those our ideas are as as you know, rel, are, are as trivial as football, and a lot of times those ideas are hurt, hurtful and ignorant, like racism, misogyny, and all that kind of stuff. But you gotta hope for the best. Um, anyway, <clears throat> let's talk about Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons said apparently in the off season. Oh, whoops. Sorry about that. We <laughs> messed that up. Um, it's okay, though. But, no, going back to the racism thing um, real quick, because it was a racist. It was racism. I, I think we can we can all agree. It, it, and, I, and I'm not saying it was like, you know, they're going out of their way because he's black, right? That they're, like, to and in, in having evil intentions. Because I do think that it was more so of a case of, it's just been so it's just been like that for so long that receivers switch over or quarter running quarterbacks switch over to receiver and people and the thing is and and people don't put the time into really thinking about how to use players to the best of their ability. John Harbaugh with Lamar Jackson did exactly that and it changed the entire mold of what a quarterback can be. Lamar Jackson is a mold breaker. Yes, there were people like Michael Vick and Cam Newton before him, but he, Lamar Jackson is above and away better because he has the ability to pass. He doesn't take the big hits like Cam Newton does. So I think there's that. Um, and look, there were uh, there were also people who just saw Lamar Jackson as a black quarterback, and that's it. That's it. They, they saw him as a black quarterback who could run and be like, man, he's going to be so fast when he switches a receiver, which is just it's dumb. It, it's stupid, ignorant, and it's dumb. That's what it is. Anyway. Let's talk about Ben Simmons. We'll get back to football in just a minute. Let's talk about him. So, let's go. Ben Simmons is back in Philadelphia, but there's no real clear sign that he is going to be playing for the 76ers. So, that's an interesting thing. The All-Star Guard obviously sent in a trade request earlier in the offseason. Even Doc Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers, said in a press conference that he's unsure about his st- the status of Ben Simmons' trade demand, and he's unsure about what the season might hold. He said this, quote, I don't know. He voiced that, that being the trade request, but we'll see how it works out, he said on Wednesday. 
A rescinded request seems to be improbable, though, as Rivers and Simmons, uh, you know, apparently talked. And he said, we talked. It was great. And Doc Rivers also said, who knows? So that that's kind of the situation as it is right now. You know, where do things kind of go from here? Who knows? <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen with Ben Simmons. These types of situations, if they're not taken care of in the offseason, usually when they bleed over into the regular season and the guy shows up, the guy, the player shows up, it usually means that he's going to at least start the season for that team. So the way I think this is going to play out is that Ben Simmons will likely start the season on the 76ers team. He is going to play. He's going to get paid. And they're just going to play ball for a little bit. And you And there's going to be two things that are possible from there. Trade deadline comes around and Ben Simmons gets moved or not. And I know that sounds very obvious and, 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 on, and not like a real answer, but that's the truth. That's the truth. I, I, he showed up to camp. We're like, what, a week away from the season kick starting off, tipping off. So he's going to play. He, I think he's going to play. It's just a matter of, by the trade deadline, who's interested in him, how much are they willing to pay for him, and how much the 76ers are willing to lose for him or, or trade for him. So those are the questions really to ask. Um, and if he decides not to play, I mean, we can only speculate on that. We don't know what's in his head right now. If Ben Simmons decides not to play, he's obviously going to be missing money. And I think that that is probably going to accelerate the clock on his trade request. But him showing up usually means that he's willing to kind of rescind that. Not rescind that completely, but put it to the side at least until January, February, around the time that trade deadline coming around. Um I still am of the belief that the 76ers and Ben Simmons should probably have done a clean split during the regular or during the offseason. I just think that the way that team is constructed, it is not best for Ben Simmons. It is not best definitely for the 76ers because Ben they Ben they need the, the 76ers need a guard who can shoot. They need a starting point guard who, yes, can dish out passes, but he needs to be able to shoot. Ben Simmons does not provide that. We saw that in the playoffs. He did not show up in the playoffs in the way that he needed to, especially to be the number two on that team. So I think that's what it's going to take. Could Kyrie Irving be in play potentially? We know we're going to talk about him and his whole situation in just a minute, but could he be in play? I think I think he could be, and I think that would be an interesting trade around because the Nets are a team that could probably use Ben Simmons more so than Kyrie Irving because while Kyrie, had he been playing, puts them over the top, them being the Brooklyn Nets, not him not playing at all and them having someone like James Harden to take over the load, them having someone like KD, obviously, to help take over that load. And you put Ben Simmons in there and he can dish out the passes, he can drive inside, doesn't really need to shoot. That could be a dangerous combo. It could very well be a dangerous combo with Ben Simmons along with KD and James Harden on that Brooklyn Nets team. And and look, who who look who the coach is there. Maybe you got no better there's no one better for a young point guard to learn from than Steve Nash who might be the best pure passer the game has ever seen, who also is one of the best uh, or was one of the best three-point shooters in his time in the NBA. It might that that might be something that worked out for everyone. I know they're in the same conference. I know they're I'm pretty sure they're in the same division too. But the divisions matter significantly less in basketball. And I think it could be a win-win for both teams because Kyrie playing with Joel Embiid down in Philly, that that could be dangerous and and Kyrie doesn't have to worry about the vaccination status thing. So that could be that could be fruitful honestly for both teams. The only question is Who's willing to budge more? Because it's easy to just say, let's do a simple swap. But likelihood is both teams are going to want more for their player. When in reality, like a pure one-on-one swap would probably be the simplest and easiest and most effective way to get things done. And... I think I think that's what it could be happen, but um, we'll see about that. Uh, the Nets would probably want to move though, probably fairly quickly if they're going to do this. I don't know if they're they want to really mess with the chemistry, you know, right now. I would say if you're the Brooklyn Nets, you do you you demand or you ask rather for the just straight up trade right now, 
And by the time the All-Star game comes around, by the time the trade deadline comes around, you got everything figured out. You got the chemistry figured out. And you'll know whether it works or not this season at all, unless he gets the vaccine. He does not seem like he's going to do that. So from a pure basketball standpoint, you're Brooklyn Nets. You need someone who's going to play. Why not Ben Simmons? Why not? But you guys let me know what you think in the chat. Let me know what you think in the comments. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Anyway, let's go back to the NFL because we have some news about the NFL that eh, a lot of Seahawks fans are probably not going to be big fans of. Um, and that is that Geno Smith is your new starting quarterback. Woohoo! I, I can hear the groans already from all the Seahawks fans out there. Um, but, uh, oh, big ticket, real quick. Big ticket in the chat says, rumor is that Ben Simmons isn't vaccinated either. Well, I don't comment on rumors like that, uh, except I do. Shit. Well, if he's not, then that goes out the window. I mean, there's an easy way to fix that, but. Is what it is, right? Is what it is. Whatever, dude. Anyway, I'm talking about the Seahawks now. It is Geno time in Seattle. Russell Wilson has a ligament injury in his thumb. He is likely going to miss four to eight weeks. That's a big fluctuation point, I know, but that's what they said. Four to eight weeks with that thumb injury. He had surgery on his thumb and has put the Seattle Seahawks in a very tough place without their star quarterback, without the literal face and embodiment of the franchise in Russell Wilson, the dude who has literally kept this team upright for the past four or five years since the Legion of Boom really broke apart. And Geno Smith is in. Geno Smith, former second round pick with the New York football Jets, comes in. He came in relief for Russell Wilson after he got injured on that play with Aaron Donald. And he played pretty well. He played pretty well in relief, um, you know, on a short notice, obviously. And he ended up throwing that pick, but that, that was more so because the receiver fell down. I don't, I'm not going to read too much into that. I think if you're a Seahawks fan and you're asking me, should I be concerned? I would say you should probably be concerned. Because the real question is, can the Seahawks survive without Russell Wilson? And if this was like a one to two week kind of thing, I'd say they could. I would say they could. However, given the fact of the situation, given the fact that this is a one to two month long recovery process with this injured thumb, given the fact that this, the team is already two and three, given the fact that they play in a division that has the 5-0 Cardinals, that has the high-powered Rams offense, and has the San Francisco 49ers, who are no scrubs with the Trey Lance in, now in at quarterback, a great defense, and it's only getting better. The Seahawks, without Russell Wilson for about a month or two, they seem to me like the odd team out here. They seem to me like the odd team out who... I don't think they're going to survive this, honestly, this season. If, unless Russell Wilson comes back in, you know, three weeks, you know, maybe probably before he should or, or at least tries to heal faster or whatever, unless he comes back in three weeks, I, I don't think the Seahawks are going to survive this because they play in one of the toughest divisions in football. They don't have much outside of Russell Wilson. So Geno Smith by himself does not have too much to work with. Um, Alex Collins is a great piece at running back, like, like, a great, like, you know, great little piece of running back, but he's not going to be a game breaker for them. Like, as in, he's not going to, that's not going to fix the, in, or the amount of impact that Russell Wilson had without him. Uh, Tyler Lockett is good, but DK Metcalf is good, but I just don't know. I don't, I think that offensive line have serious question marks. It's the reason why Russell Wilson got injured. He's one of the most pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. The Seahawks have not done much to help him um, when he's under pressure. The Seahawks have not done much to help him get under less pressure. Um, and it, this is what happens. Eventually, this was going to happen. He had started every game since he was drafted out of uh, Wisconsin, and now he's going to miss his first games, and we're going to see. There was a. There's been a lot of talk over the past few years that what are why are the Seahawks still in it? Is it because Russell Wilson? And the answer, if you watch the games, is obviously yes. But now we're gonna see 
why that is. Because as fine as Geno Smith is as a backup quarterback, I think he's just fine. I think he is going to he's going to play relatively well. I don't think though he's gonna be great long term because he is. The fact of the matter is, teams are going to figure it out. Teams are going to watch the tape on him, and they're going to get better at scouting against him. And that's going to happen. That's why I think initially he was very good in that game because they were expecting Russell Wilson to play the entire game and not Geno Smith. So that was that was part of that. Um, I don't think so. Like I said, Geno Smith not going to fill the gap. Uh, and if he can't, where do they go from here? I think if you're the Seahawks. And let's say let's say he's out for four weeks. He misses four games, right? And then I would I don't know. You're two and three already. Let's say that you go you go two and two. At that point, you'd be what four and five. That's not bad. But thing is, you go one and three. Then you're staring at what three and four, or or yeah, sorry, no three and six. And then then it just kind of goes down from there, doesn't it? it it's just. That's the, that's the question. How many how many games can they win? Can they stay in games with Geno Smith? And honestly, what is not a good secondary? I don't care how much they're paying Jamal Adams. That Seahawks secondary was not really is not really that good, especially this year. And you you put on top of that, who are they playing over the next few weeks? They are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not a great football team, but a football team that you know is coached tough. So it'll be a little bit of a tough outing. Always had a history of defense. They play the Saints the week after that, which is, that's going to be a tough game. And then they play Jacksonville, and then they play Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. That's the next four games. Steelers, Saints, Jags, Packers. After that, they face the Cardinals as a divisional matchup against a team that is right now undefeated 5-0. and And... It's just and it just goes goes from there. So you know you could say maybe they beat Jacksonville. Do I? They're they might be in that game against Pittsburgh, but even Pittsburgh, they're looking to get back in that AFC North race. The Saints, I don't think they're, they're going to beat the Saints. They're definitely not going to beat the Packers. They won't beat the Cardinals. So it, it's just tough to see where they get wins outside of Jack that that one Jacksonville game. So I think it's going to be tough for the Seahawks going from there. And you might, honestly, considering how long he misses or, uh, you know, like, well, what's it called? Um, depending on how long Russell Wilson is out, if you are like the Seahawks and you're like really down and your team is not playing great, you might want to consider just shutting Russell Wilson down for the rest of the year because you know that offensive line he's playing behind. You know what that team has to work with. You know what the limitations of that defense are. If you're if they go in, Russell Wilson misses like, you know, a month and a half and that this team is like, you know, four and seven, four and eight, you might want to just you might want to just put the kibosh on the season and just let let things play out. Draft an offensive tackle and then go from there because they're probably not going to make noise in that division at this time in this year. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it playing out that way. But y'all, let me know what you think. We have some questions in the chat, by the way, or some statements. One specific statement that uh, one very proud Chicagoan is it Chicagoan? Chicagoan? Chicagoan says in the chat, Markman123. Big shout out to the Markman123. He says, Da Bears. Yes, the Bears. Uh, the Bears are obviously the Bears. Uh, playing good football, as is Justin Fields over there. Uh, as soon as Matt Nagy got off the play calling, the Bears started to win. Lo and behold, basic football logic, people. That's what happens when you don't... That's that's the amazing thing. When you don't have the shitty coach um, <laughs> calling your plays, obviously you're going to win. That's how football and sports generally work. Um, but that's definitely true. I, I am happy to see Justin Fields being successful as soon as Matt Nagy got off the play call. It not only vindicates everything that I've been saying, but vindicates what everything that the Chicago Bears fans have been saying. Get Nagy out of there. Let Justin Fields go, grow and let him go because he's going to be a megastar in this league. Book it to the moon, brother. Um. Anyway, oh, did I just freeze? I think I did, but I'm back. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? 
Kyrie's back. Oh, we're going to talk about Kyrie Irving. Before we do, though, I would very much appreciate it, though, if you guys would hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So, a lot was made about Kyrie Irving. He refused to get the vaccine. And then the Brooklyn Nets came down just a few days ago and said that Kyrie Irving would not be able to rejoin the team. That's the decision they made. They made that decision because they didn't want to mess with the chemistry of the team, uh, because they know what Kyrie's position is. Kyrie doesn't want to get vaccinated in order to play in the state of uh, New York, in order to play, sorry, in the city of New York, rather. You need to be vaccinated. Kyrie Irving didn't want to do that. That's his personal choice. Is That's what it is. Um, and now... There's a lot of people who are saying that, you know, why is Kyrie doing this? They're commenting on Kyrie and and, and and what's going on here. And I think the whole Kyrie Irving situation is honestly like the whole Kyrie Irving situation is a little more complex than it may seem. Because while it's easy to say that Kyrie is wrong for what he's doing and wrong for what he is, what he believes, you know, I again, which I agree with, I, I do think his, he came to the wrong conclusion I think he has a point here, um, and and we'll play this clip in a second. But uh, let me let me quickly for those who might not have some context about this kind of just just talk about what's happened over the past few days. So there's been a lot of talk recently from talking heads on ESPN in the media, both uh, from right wing media especially who have agendas, who have narratives they want to push about certain players. Kyrie Irving is one of those players. So Kyrie Irving responded to criticism that he got after the Brooklyn Nets came down and said that he would not be rejoining the team for now, and that's their plan going into this season. So Kyrie Irving responded on IG Live. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. You know, I had to stop running away from using my voice and using my platform to, uh, you know, speak on what's true and what's mine. You know, nobody's going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to take the power away from me that I have for speaking on these things, you know, and don't believe that I'm retiring. Don't believe that, you know, I'm going to give up this game uh, for a vaccine mandate or staying unvaccinated. Don't believe any of that shit, man. Like, like really be aware of what's being said uh, before I even get a chance to be on the podium and speak for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, all these people saying all these things about what's going on with me, and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, people are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect. You know, and and I don't want to um, sit here and, and play on people's emotions either. Just use logic. You know, what would you do? You know, if, if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh, when you were promised that you would have exemptions, or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine. You know, this wasn't an issue uh, before the season started. This this wasn't something that I foresaw coming where I prepared for it. And, uh, you know, I had a, a chance to strategize on what was going to be best for me and my family. I came into the season uh, thinking that I was just going to be able to play ball, you know, be able to use my, my talent uh, to continue to, uh, you know, inspire, influence people in the right way. You know, this, like putting this on me is just like, why are you putting it on me? You know, like this, this is not part of, uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on in conversations with scientists, physicians, and doctors. I'm, I'm just a hooper, right? Like, I'm, I'm just a person, uh, who, who's being utilized a, as an example. For some odd reason, you know, people love to have my name in the mix of just some BS. <laughs> like, just hearing the way people speak so con, you know, with so much conviction about what I should be doing with my life and, and what, you know, my teammates should be feeling about me. You know, I had to stop running away from using my... Okay. So, Kyrie said a lot there. And honestly, I have one quick defense of Kyrie. And this is not defending his position on vaccines. This is defending the way that the media kind of portrays what he said. And the way that the media kind of portrays what he is. So... And this is very comp more complex than it really seems on the front of it. The media, both right wing, left wing, sports media, all that, have kind of used Kyrie in a way to push their narrative. 
And from the get-go, even before Kyrie said anything, because he, he has since said, you know, he wants to kind of stand up for something now. But even when he was just saying, I respect my privacy, I didn't get it, whatever, respect my privacy... People were using that as a kind of call to action for whatever they believe. And look, that's your right, just like it's Kyrie's right not to do whatever. But what I what I really took exception to, and the reason I have this very quick defense of Kyrie, is that there were people who were, before he had said anything, putting stuff in his mouth, putting words in his mouth, and putting out statements as if... It was exactly what Kyrie said, even though he really didn't say much initially. Um, and look, he, since then, he's obviously come out and said, um, you know, more more than that. But that's the note I really want to make. I really want to make that. And I think we have a propensity, whether it's sports media, whether it's political media, whether it's, you know, just society at large. We have a we have th- this immediate reaction to things where we automatically assume someone's words, someone's intentions before we really hear from them. And that's something that, you know, I have serious political sports convictions, all that kind of stuff, right? But you have to be at least willing to, you know, hear what where the next person stands or at least at the very least not put straight up words in his mouth. There were people who are out there on networks like ESPN who were putting words in Kyrie's mouth about what he believes, about what his teammates believe, about all that kind of stuff before that any of that stuff came out, before he had even said anything. And also, there were people on the right who were anti-vaxxers, who were all that kind of stuff, saying that Kyrie Irving was one of them and he is he is an amazing role model for them and 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 he and and look at this uh, and they were and they were using him to defend their own narrative and he was kind of caught up in this battle of narratives and look when you do that when you make when you force someone who is who has that influence or whatever or even who doesn't have that influence into a box like that when you force when the media forces someone to basically choose between two sides that's the path you lead them down even if that's not what they initially intended to do so i understand in sports media we have to talk about speculation we have to talk about the impact that this has on the team because look let's not kid ourselves Kyrie Irving not playing we have to talk about it because it impacts the best team in the NBA arguably the best team in the NBA who many thought were going to be title contenders it impacts them greatly but the manner in which we talk about Kyrie's beliefs I think need to need should not have been in the way that uh, a lot of people at ESPN Fox Sports uh, Fox News all these different places said because they really I think I do think they put him in a box in a way. But let me address some of the things that Kyrie said in that IG live and why now that he has said these things, why they are why they are what they are. Um so Kyrie said that, you know, put yourself in my shoes, right? Put yourself in my shoes that, you know, someone's making you do this even though you don't want to do this. And while that is an appealing sentiment, while that is an understandable sentiment to an extent, Kyrie Irving is basically in that saying, you know, hey, put yourself in my shoes, but let me make the choice instead of you. Because the whole point of the whole putting yourself in my shoes kind of argument is to see the perspective, right? And to and what would what decision would you make in my shoes, right? But Kyrie is coming from the assumption of you're making you're you're making the same decision as him. So obviously, if you're making the same decision as him, you're going to be mad about it because you're probably making it for the same reasons. But that doesn't really that doesn't help you see the perspective that it kind of misses the point there. And that's honestly what I had a problem with. I I, I don't think it's a strong argument. And, and Kyrie Irving, he the other thing that I want to say and is that, you know, he he wants to say that you know it's wrong right or or we, he wants to say that it's not wrong it's a belief and and look a lot of things are subjective but based on all scientific facts and logic and Kyrie said this right Kyrie says that you got to use logic to dictate this well if you use logic and you use facts then Kyrie's stance on the covid vaccine is at this time especially is wrong because look 
five years from now when COVID is just, you know, we're living with COVID and we have the immunity or all those kinds of things, it is not obviously not going to be as serious as it is now. Who knows? A year from now, it's probably not going to be as serious as it is now. A year from now, you could be playing without the vaccine, all that kind of stuff. doesn't matter. But right now, we are at a point where we are still dealing with it. We are still dealing with the reality, the seriousness of this deadly virus. So we need to be real about it and understand that part of it, too. Because while things might be good in a year, things might be better in five years, right now is a very, is still a critical time. So if you are coming from the perspective of, the, of Kyrie Irving, then I would just implore you to use logic and really understand and, and facts and see that. Uh, and look, the other thing is, he, I don't think he can't say it's wrong because, you know, we, we don't exactly know why. Like, like, here's the thing. I don't know what Kyrie Irving's motivations are, honestly, as, as, as weird as it sounds. Even after hearing his IG live, I'm still kind of confused. And since he's put it all out there, I'm even more confused because originally it was I need to do research. Well and good. Cool. Do your research, bro. Come to your conclusion. And he does the research. Then he says, respect my privacy. Cool. Then it became a thing of, you know, he wants to be an advocate and uplift the voices for people, which I'm all for uplifting the voice of the voiceless and all that kind of stuff. But when you say that you are kind, you want to have influence for people and you want to stand up for people who are in this situation, you also have to have reasons for that. And, and, and those reasons have to be defendable. I, and and then once you come around and you say you're already being an advocate and you come around and you say oh well this is a personal stance for me and my family then it becomes then you're then you're muddying the waters and people don't know what your motivations are so that's also why I think the media kind of forced Kyrie's hand in this he they kind of forced him to become more of a symbol than he probably wanted to be than he probably should be and and that's kind of why in hand in hand for all this. I think the media are in their narrative and the way they spin things are very much to blame for all of this happening and the way they talk about it, the the amount of times they talk about it. Uh, so, so that's what I think about that. And I want to be very careful. That's why I'm kind of slowing things down sometimes. I might be slipping over a word or two here. I want to be very careful the way I talk about this because it is more complex than it seems. Kyrie Irving... And this is not an opinion, it's a fact. Given the time that we're in, given the stance that he took, came to, he, he did the research and he came to, honestly, the wrong conclusion. And there's a lot of people who say, well, there's no wrong conclusion when it comes to this. No, there are. The, the right conclusion, if you are worried about playing, if you're worried about, you know, living healthy life and all that kind of stuff would be to get a shot that defends you against a deadly virus that's going around. The wrong conclusion would be not to. That is fact. The right conclusion, and, and look, I'm not going to comment. There's a lot of people who want to say stuff about Kyrie and what he's done before and the, the flat earth stuff. And look, do I think that stuff is, is kooky? Of course, but that, has, but that doesn't really necessarily have much to do with this, in my opinion. I think that... I, I think that he's wrong for not do, taking the vaccine. And if he wants to live with the consequences and not play, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But my, but what I but what I criticize Kyrie for specifically is that his it just seems like his reason every time he's asked some seems to change every single time. And in my opinion, those reasons aren't good. In conclusion, his conclusion wasn't good. Uh, but I, again, the media is to blame as well for this, in my opinion. But that's what I believe about the Kyrie Irving thing. Let me know what you guys think in the chat. We have some things in the chat. Um, the Markman123 has been busy. He says, Nagy for McDonald's. Yes, Matt Nagy for McDonald's 2021. Should have been Mag Nagy for McDonald's 2020. Kyrie Irving. Oh, Roberto Mann. Love Roberto Mann. Welcome back, Roberto Mann. <laughs> Uh, Kyrie Irving says, Kyrie, to get a free meal at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> oh, oof. Uh, Demar Crazy says, bruh, hijack your voice. COVID out here hijacking lives. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Uh, the Markman123, damn, got him. 
The Markman123 also says, Brooklyn not going to lose this season because of COVID slash Kyrie. They're going to lose because the horrible font on their jerseys. Damn. <laughs> Javier Baez gives one a thumbs down. Oh, Okay, big thumbs down to Javier for for the Mets fans. By the way, anyone who was mad about that, I cannot believe the New York Mets put out a press release because a player started putting his thumbs down on the fans. What a joke that was. What a joke that was. But you know what's not a joke? All of you guys who are listening, subscribe to the channel. You know, I had to stop running. Who aren't technical difficulties today. What can I say? You know, it's not a joke. All you wonderful people who have watched this stream. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for all your support. We are very close to 800 subs on YouTube. So head on over to youtube.com forward slash real take sports to subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Also, if you're watching this, leave a thumbs up. Helps out the algorithm. Helps the channel grow. And also helps my self-esteem a little bit. But we'll see you guys next time. Keep it real.